Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team here at Tech Advisor. A little disclaimer at the top of the show, we are recording this a day early rather than going live, so I'm sorry to anyone who normally watches us live. That is because we really wanted to make sure Aniron could join us this week and he is a busy, busy man with lots of things to do. But he has been testing out the Asus ROG Phone 6 Pro and we are going to be talking about that and we wanted his input. So if anything absolutely massive and groundbreaking <laughs> happens in the world of tech over the next 24 hours and it feels weird that we're not talking about it that's why okay so uh, i already mentioned we are going to be talking about the asus rog phone 6 and 6 pro which both launched this week and Aniron has been reviewing the pro model we're also going to talk about xiaomi's 12s series obviously with a real focus on the 12s ultra which is the phone we thought for a while would just be the 12 Ultra. It's not launching outside of China, but still there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. And obviously it's Xiaomi's big camera play for the year, which merits discussion by itself. And then finally to round off this week, since we're just about at the midway point of the year, we thought it'd be nice to look back on our favorite bits of phone tech from the first six months of 2022, and then cast a little life forward as well to the stuff that we are personally looking forward to in the back half of the year. Before that, let's chat through a little bit of the news that we've had this week, because there has still been plenty of going on. So first up, Huawei actually also launched some phones, and I'm afraid to say no one really paid a whole lot of attention. Uh, <laughs> it was a China-only launch in their defense, but still, this is not on the level of the Xiaomi 12S. Uh, Huawei launched the Nova 10 and Nova 10 Pro. These are a couple affordable mid-ranges for the Chinese market. Sometimes the Novas do still make it out of China, so these may launch globally later on. It's a little bit hard to predict. Uh, they also launched alongside them, though, the Huawei Tag, which I am curious to see if that launches globally. So that is their version of the AirTag or the Samsung Smart Tag. It's one of those little tracker things. And since Huawei's big push globally has been ecosystem, you could actually see the Tag making its way out internationally. Though I do wonder if people will be a little wary just from a branding perspective of the famous Chinese phone company releasing a tracker to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And also just there, no fault of yours, but uh, we're all now just saying it's like Apple's, uh, you know, AirTags and, and like the Tile CEO is just ripping the, I know. their hair out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Tile. I know you've been doing it for years and they weren't even the only ones doing it before the AirTag came along. Uh, but especially now that Apple went along and said, oh, it's a tag. That's what we call this thing. Yeah. Now everyone said, oh, tag. That's tag. how we brand ours too. Yeah. The smart tag, the <laughs> Huawei tag. Uh, so yeah, the Huawei tag exists. I don't know if this will launch globally, but keep an eye out for it later in the year. Maybe we'll get lucky. Uh, we have a couple more phones coming up. These are another two that are at least Chinese launches for now. We'll see if we get them globally. Nubia has the Red Magic 7S series coming on July 11th. There'll be a 7S and also a 7S Pro. I'll be honest, from what we've seen so far, they've teased a little bit about the Pro specifically. This looks like just a chipset refresh. They are presumably going to throw in the 8 Plus Gen 1, and it really doesn't look like anything else is going to change from the 7 Series. That's not really a bad thing. We quite liked the Red Magic 7s. But yeah, don't, don't expect any big shifts to the formula. This is about as by-the-numbers chipset refresh as gaming phones get. Uh, the next day, Realme be, will be releasing the Realme GT2 Explorer Master Edition. Oh. <laughs> we don't know a lot about this one. We know it will also have the 8 Plus Gen 1, which is a bit funny because previously these kind of extra editions have been on the cheaper side of their spectrum compared to their main flagships, whereas this has a more powerful chip than anything else they have so far which suggests it will be their new flagship flagship 
despite having this double edition title. Um, they also released a picture, uh, sort of promo poster, with someone sitting camping, looking up at the stars. So either it's camping themed, or they're going to make a big push on their astral photography. So they, I would bet the latter, but with real me, <laughs> yeah. I really don't know for sure because they've done a paper themed phone. I was about to and say onion themed phone. <laughs> <laughs> so this phone is an offshoot from a paper-themed phone, and now they're going outdoorsy. Camping, yeah. I mean, maybe it's going to be a design inspired by nylon tent material or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the part, I quite liked that paper phone. I thought yeah. it was actually quite cool. It's, like, more durable. It could have done without that signature on the back. Um, yeah. That, that with. But, yeah, cool. Interested to see that phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what they're going to have there. And it's another one where... I don't know if this one's going to make it out globally. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. They're a bit up and down on, on these extra edition ones, so it might end up being, being stuck for China only. But they're, they're making a bigger European push in particular, so they may see this as one worth shipping elsewhere. Um, Vivo also has something on the way. The IQ 10 series. IQ is their sort of gaming-y sub-brand. And once again, this is likely to have the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. It's just that time of year, I'm afraid. Everyone's doing this. And the phones we're talking about today are also 8 Plus Gen 1 phones, so you're going to have to get used to it. Uh, there's going to be an IQ 10, an IQ 10 Pro. We know that. And once again, they're going to have that BMW Motorsport partnership. So we can expect that design to have those uh, red and blue stripes or, or something similar once again. Um, there's no actual launch date for these yet, but they've started teasing it. So sometime in July. Again, it will be a Chinese launch first, but the IQ phones have been launching globally more and more, and certainly India. So this one might actually make it a little bit further afield. And finally, we spoke recently about HTC's grand return to the smartphone market. Um, they've also made a much quieter return to the tablet market. They launched this week uh, the HTC A101, which in some markets is the A100. Um, it's got two names, neither of them are catchy. This is a very basic looking tablet though, so don't get too excited that this is some sort of return to the premium end. Uh, it's 10 inch tablets, so it's pretty big, but it's got an LCD display. It's running on a Unisoc chipset, so performance is probably going to be limited. Um, and the biggest giveaway there is also that it's shipping with Android 11 rather than Android 12, which is not a great sign. Uh, it's out now in Russia, and it is coming soon to South Africa, and we don't know if it will go anywhere else beyond that. Uh, again, I wouldn't expect a global release, but I've been—I said that about the Desire 22 Pro as well, and I was quickly proven wrong. So you never know. Um, I'm really surprised by this in the sense that it does feel like HTC is genuinely beginning to make inroads into getting properly back into the Android space. Yeah, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've no—I've no idea. It, it seems very scattershot. Yeah. Just like maybe they can afford to put these products out and they're not going to lose money anywhere. I don't know. It, it must, it must, something must be working if they're continuing to do stuff. So keep an eye on it. But yeah, you're right. Those two names are not catchy. <laughs> and no, why, and uh, why aren't they it, the same? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like an obviously very targeted approach. But, you know, HTC's, this is now the second or third piece of hardware we've had from them recently. Mm -hmm. So. You know, maybe they're gonna just testing the waters, and then we'll see something more committed from them down the line, which I wouldn't be against. So, do you mean to tell me that there's there's no nothing news this week? There is. <laughs> I just elected not to include it in the roundup. Damn, I ruined there it. There are. <laughs> there is something about nothing this week. Uh, 
there's a couple bits, and even very exciting. We got display spec, and they announced some NFTs, and I don't want to talk about NFTs, oh, yeah, so we're going to ignore that. Excellent. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Xiaomi 12S. Uh, these are the mid-year refreshes from Xiaomi to its existing Xiaomi 12 line, along with an ultra version that we haven't seen before. So we have a Xiaomi 12S and a Xiaomi 12S Pro. These are updates to the Xiaomi 12 and 12 Pro. And because they're fairly modest updates, so we'll talk about them a little bit, um, they're not getting an, a worldwide release at all. And I think that makes sense because they're similar enough to the 12 and 12 Pro that there's not going to be a huge clamor for them in the global market, I don't think. More exciting, though, is the 12S Ultra, which is the phone that had been rumored for a long time to be the 12 Ultra. It has arrived. It has a big, silly, giant, round camera on the back. Uh, it's one of those OTT, throw every spec we have at this thing and, and hope something sticks. It looks pretty exciting. I'm not going to lie. I don't love the design, but we'll get to that in a bit. So first, I want to quickly go through the 12S and the 12S Pro before yeah. we move on to the Ultra. Um, the main changes here are to the 12S, actually, the regular one. So every phone in the lineup now has a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. So there's a chipset boost. They were all on the 8 Gen 1. They're now on the 8 Plus Gen 1. So there's that little refresh. Um, the regular 12S has also had the benefit that it's getting the camera sensor used by the 12 Pro for its main camera. So it's still a 50 megapixel sensor. It was 50 megapixels before, but it was just a slightly better one. The IMX 707, I believe, that was in the Pro before. That's now found in both the regular and the Pro models of the 12S series. Right. So the 12S is getting a decent upgrade. Its main camera should be a little bit better, and it's got that chipset boost. The reason Xiaomi gave for basically giving it that camera upgrade is because these are their first phones with Leica on board, and they wanted to go all out and make sure there were no camera compromises from their end, at least, as they, they unveiled the Leica partnership. Uh, the 12S Pro has had the chipset refresh, and I believe that is it. Um, nothing else has changed from the 12 Pro. That's not hugely bad thing. I like that phone a lot. But yeah, if you have a 12 Pro, the 12S Pro is just the 8 Plus version. There's nothing else different. It's still a meaningful upgrade on the 12S because it's bigger. It's got a high resolution display. It's ultra-wide and telephoto cameras are better. It's charging is faster. Mm. So there's a big jump between the S and the S Pro not so much of a, of a big half-step refresh compared to what the 12S got. So let's set them aside and now just talk about the one we care about, <laughs> which is the 12S Ultra, uh, because this is an entirely new phone. This is not like anything we previously had in the 12 line. And it's also interesting because it's obviously a follow-up to last year's Mi 11 Ultra, but a lot has changed year on year. They haven't just thrown out the same phone again with a few spec upgrades. They've really gone back to the drawing board. Yeah, I used the Mi 11 Ultra, so it'd be interesting to see what you think this has improved over it, because like you say, it looks like a bit of a different thing. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the obvious thing is is the aesthetic change. So the Mi 11 Ultra was notable in its own way for having an enormous rear camera, uh, a big rectangular slab across the back of the phone, plus a little screen yeah. next to that <laughs> camera, which never felt 100% useful. No. And I always... It had its benefits. You could take selfies using the rear cameras. It kind of serves as a little viewfinder. And it could be a notification display, which I kind of liked. But I thought it was a bit extraneous and took probably took too much battery. And they probably could have just put a little you know, shard of mirror on the back. <laughs> yeah, for something that 
added to battery drain and probably added the equivalent of $100 to the asking price. <laughs> yeah. You have to wonder how much, if you gave people the choice of one with or without the screen and a $100 price difference, I think a lot of people would have gone for the cheaper one without the display. So that display is gone. Uh, they have given up on that. I assume we will never see it again from them, or at least not for a while. And the whole rear camera is being redesigned. It's now a big ring. Uh, not just a big ring, but a big ring wrapped in 24 karat gold. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of 24 karat gold but it's there there's a little layer going around the outside right, just so you right. know this really is ultra um let's start with the design first because i think this is something that through all of the leaks and rumors when this design first came out and i've been updating our rumor coverage on this phone for a while and when we first saw the kind of renders and leaks of of prototype units with this big ring my initial thought was what on earth are they doing that looks terrible it's not too dissimilar from Honor Magic 4 Pro and then a little bit of the Vivo X80 Pro there. Everyone's going big old disc. Mm. But what do you think this is like an extra level? I mean, it, look, it covers quite a lot of the width of the phone. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I think the final execution, as is often the way here, the final execution looks better than the renders and the prototype models and stuff like that we'd mm. seen. So I think anyone following it might be a bit pleasantly surprised by how it's turned out. Um yeah, we've seen this big ring design before. I think this is the biggest big ring we've seen. Uh, yeah. in the, as you say, it covers most of that upper third of the back of the phone. Uh, and it also juts out quite a bit. Mm. I don't have measurements on that, but if you sort of look at the photos of it where it's at an angle, it really does extend from the body of the phone more than we're used to seeing. Um, yeah. Naren, what, what was your first impression when you saw this yeah, that was big the thing, old that circle? Was, yeah, that was the thing I was going to mention. How much of a camera bump is that going to be? make and are they going to like make cases that are really thick that are going to make it sit make it sit flush um it's obviously it's obviously a very distinctive design but and the, yeah the, the manufacturers are just trying their best to come up with unique designs and either changing them every year or going for some something different rather than i think it's like samsung is actually stuck with the same camera design for a couple of years mm. trying to create an identity but whereas obviously you know, instantly different from the, from the previous phone. So that's what they're going for. I mean, I also thought with that kind of leather look yeah, and then the big camera, I mean, it just looks like a camera, which may be what they were going for with the Leica yeah. thing. Yeah. I think that's absolutely part of it. Um, I think leaning into the Leica branding, because the regular 12S and Pro have the Leica, Leica brand as well. Um, but this is clearly the one they want to really push that partnership on. Mm. And definitely the way they were pitching it during the keynote is playing into that idea that with a big round um, a big round lens element, it looks a lot more like a camera with the vegan leather finish. And it's interesting, it's only available in vegan leather. We, before the launch, mm. thought there were going to be various versions and we had kind of ceramic finishes last year. This is just available in vegan leather, either black or a very dark green that looks kind of grayish black anyway mm. it's, a, it's a very muted green they've, they've opted for um yeah they're definitely playing into the this is a camera first phone second side of it part of that is also i think the fact that they're really trying to play up that main sensor because that's the one where the main camera here the hook is they've partnered with sony on a new one inch camera sensor which is making its debut here we've actually seen a one inch camera sensor from sony before because they put one in their pro eye uh, that weird, very, very expensive, professionally targeted phone from, from, I think, last year. This is not the same sensor as that, I don't think. I assume it's a kind of slightly reworked version of, of that. Um, 
this is a, a new sensor making its debut here. But they're definitely leaning all in on this one camera in the middle, one inch sensor, huge element. This is the thing. And then there's other lenses as well, but they really want you. Whereas kind of Samsung's focus is if you look at the, the, the S22 Ultra, you kind of see these five different lens elements on the back and it's kind of highlighting we have so many lenses. This is almost Xiaomi yeah. trying to make four lenses look like one lens. Mm, mm. And what, what are they claiming specifically? Because every, every launch has like a big thing doesn't it are they are they what are they could make any claims like you know samsung says like you know 100 times space zoom or sony's got its moving optical lenses is there any like firsts here or are they just like saying this is just very good <laughs> the the closest to a first here is the one inch sensor which yeah, as i said isn't thing, technically right. a first but in in i don't know if i'd ever call this a mainstream phone but it's the yeah. most mainstream phone yet to feature a sensor size like that um, and that's really what they're, that, that's the first. It's that plus the Leica partnership. Yep. Big sensor means better light capture. It'll do better in low light. Um, it's got OIS on it as well, so it should be a really stable solid main lens. They didn't talk as much about the ultra-wide and telephoto because they are, I think, exactly the same as the two on the Mi 11 Ultra. And if they're not, they are very, very close in spec. Right. So they haven't really messed with anything there. They've really focused on just upgrade the main camera, Big sensor, better quality, should hopefully kill it in low light, and that's really what they're leading with. Plus, obviously, that Leica element where they're saying, Leica's on board, we've got Leica looks and filters and, and all this stuff, and they've tuned the, the camera quality in, in their own way. Uh, one of the actual fun elements I did like from watching their presentation, it's not always a lot of fun watching phone launches, <laughs> and this one was about two hours long, oh, which so I didn't long. enjoy deeply. But one element I liked was they had this really strange openness around the Leica partnership where they just kept acknowledging the fact that at first they found it really difficult to work together. And this came out like two or three times in the keynote. And they played these little videos of, you know, like the, the, you know, the German Leica engineers and, and, the, and the Chinese uh, Xiaomi engineers trying to work together. And all of them was like, you know, this kind of like uh documentary style shots of like each side like kind of bitching about the other and be like oh they're so annoying they keep demanding this <laughs> really? and they, they kept kind of talking about this way that they found it hard to work together but you know they persevered they pushed through it they found their common vision and and that kind of thing and i have to say i found that uh, at least refreshing and a bit different in terms of the yeah. way people talk about this stuff so in uh, now that they uh now that they're the best of chums and excellent work colleagues uh, what is what? What if anything is Xiaomi saying Leica brings to the table here? Is it the hardware or is it the software tuning, like on Oppo and OnePlus? It's much more on the software side, which is kind of how it always is. It's it's hard. It's one of those things. They even acknowledged at the beginning of the keynote again when they brought up the Leica presentation, and and they kind of said people keep asking us what this is and they keep you know thinking is it just that you get the leica logo and that's all it is and of course not this is a groundbreaking partnership and then they go and they said the exact same things every phone brand says mm. about every partnership they have with a camera company which is that their engineers work together to work on color capture they've tuned it so that results feel like leica results do yeah and they've thrown in a load of special filters that are based on leica cameras and, and leica imagery okay yeah I think the closest you get to an element that feels maybe different here is, again, it comes partly down to that big sensor, is one thing you get with a larger camera sensor and a larger lens is, is you can get kind of a natural bokeh effect. Mm. And we've seen that a bit with, with other phones. This is certainly not the first to do that as 
people are pushing more and more big sensors. That's more and more what we're seeing. But they were kind of, I guess, highlighting in, in the imagery samples they chose to show off the 12S Ultra's camera. They were focusing on ones that came away with an interesting artistic effect mm. rather than ones that necessarily maxed out on the technical side of things like absolutely nailed the dynamic range and you know total detail and they weren't kind of they weren't zooming in lots to show you know how perfect every pixel was yeah, yeah. instead they were just highlighting that this was able to capture artistically interesting shots like a camera can without that flatness that you sometimes get from even the best phone cameras that kind of appeals to me personally um yeah, like you were saying, there are like a few phones I've um, reviewed recently, like the Pixel 6 Pro I've been using. It's got that four times telephoto. And if you if you stand far enough away, yeah, yeah, you do get like quite a natural bokeh, which is always kind of nicer than any of the software ones. And also I mm. quite liked how, um, as you pointed out before in your review and coverage of the, the Vivo phones, particularly the X80 Pro, how you got kind of almost that like grain-like kind of filmic quality to the video and yeah. stuff like that. And if that's intentional, which I'm sure it is in these things, I quite quite like that and uh, even if it's not like necessarily something that's going to be really appealing to a mass market at least they're doing something different and clearly have applied in Xiaomi's case uh, you know the like a look like you say yeah I mean I wonder how much it's just the inevitable result of hitting a point where it's very hard to pull these phones apart anymore on a purely yeah. technical level <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and they've got to find you know something that puts them ahead and maybe that's now they're realizing their cutting edge thing can be their the artistic side of what they can offer rather than purely the the megapixel count it, yeah, or, yeah exactly. or the dynamic range it would be cool i mean what, what about you, you two like i mean i used to take a lot of like i used to click on portrait in the in the app and take those photos of people i don't really do that anymore and i don't know if that's just because i don't know why that is do you still do that do you still use those modes in cameras not personally, if I'm testing the camera, obviously, but um, I do find that there are some, I don't know, like we'll go on to like the, the Watch Phone 6, the Pro, the main image I took, I didn't put any portrait on it. Mm. It did create this kind of natural bokeh that looks good. And it, it's got to the point, it seems, where a lot of cameras are producing an image that doesn't really require any tweaking in post, that you've got an image that you're happy with there, um, mm. that they've used their AI or whatever to get an image that they think you'll like. And in many cases, most people be happy with that. So. Yeah, there's definitely a happy balance somewhere. Mm. I think I'm trying to remember which publication it was. Um, but recently I read an article, an American publication. It might be in the New Yorker. Sorry, I can't remember. <laughs> Link in the show notes. But um, <laughs> it was like compare. It was somebody who it was a journalist, uh, not a tech journalist, I don't think, who upgraded their iPhone 7 to an iPhone 13 or 13 Pro. And they were bemoaning the fact that the images were too, like, exactly clinically lifelike they liked the fact that their iphone 7 would um, put out slightly grainier kind of like more film like photos and, and in that case it was probably just because <laughs> apple were really trying really hard to get a really lifelike picture but in 2016 they couldn't manage it and now it was, they said it was a bit too artificial so it's almost like we're seeing phones are getting better and then they're having to make sure that they don't look too like uh, clinical in in their results it's been one of the big challenges in night mode is the obvious space where we've seen that yeah. where companies have worked so hard to magically pull out all these details in night mode that you can't even see with the naked eye. But then you look at the result and it's this bright daylight looking image that you took at 11 p.m. And you think, well, 
that's not what I was looking at. That's mm. not what I was trying to photograph because it's come out. The sky looks light and there's all these details I can't even make out. And there's a middle ground there where I think companies like Vivo have done a pretty good job of nailing, but even they go too far this way sometimes. But it's exposing light sources and things like that correctly and pulling out some details and not blowing out lights, but without just losing the depth and the shadow and the contrast that makes a night shot look like a night shot. Yeah. And I think the other thing here is that like some people do want a more natural shot, but then some people are just impressed with the technology of what you're describing yes. of like suddenly being able to see something that you can't see. And I think the limitation there, uh, and correct me if you disagree, uh, is that the limitation of the UI within software in smartphone cameras means that so many people don't even discover that those things are there or mm. they don't give you the option to change from one or the other, you know, because both of those are cool in their own uh, you know their own situations but I just wonder how many people have you know amazing night modes on their on their phones and, and never actually get much use out of them which is why I quite like the iPhone kind of doing it automatically and it tries to sh tell you to stop moving it around uh, yeah. by like counting down but I wonder how many people don't even realize their phones can do these things I think we've definitely seen that iPhone-esque approach more and more now is night mode to some extent baked into the main camera like I mean what I think as is well yeah yeah what I think is pretty common these days is a kind of mid-step night mode that's automatic yeah which probably actually gets for my money the best result and then if you really feel like there's detail i want to pick out that's <laughs> not there you can activate the actual night mode mm. and that will give you something that maybe looks a little artificial but pulls out elements yeah. that the main mode won't capture mm. um but yeah so i just thought it was interesting with the 12s ultra and, and to be honest the whole all when they're talking about the other two phones as well and talking about the leica collaboration they were highlighting, say, I remember there being a shot of someone, I think they were uh, on a sailboat or something like that, and it was a shot of them against the sun. And uh, they were silhouetted, and you really couldn't make out a lot of detail in their face. And I found it interesting because I thought, I can't remember another phone presentation where they'd highlight a photo like that where the subject is in a lot of shadow and you can't make out the detail. Because mm -hmm. normally I think they'd see that as a failing of their camera, that it didn't manage to pull out all this stuff that was lost in the shadow. Whereas here they were kind of, quite happy to be like, yeah, this camera recognized that this bit should be dark and this bit shouldn't be. And it left the dark bit dark. And that added an interesting tone to that mm. shot rather than just making everything look exactly as light as everything else. So do you think the Ultra is going to be released outside of China? Are we going to be able to get our hands on it? Are people going to be able to buy it in the West? No. Um, <laughs> Xiaomi has been about as blunt as it ever gets that this won't be coming out anywhere else. I can certainly say I've been told by the Xiaomi UK PR that this will not be coming to the UK. Mm -hmm. I believe that will be true elsewhere. What I've been hearing is just it's not getting any launch outside of China, which isn't a big shock. I don't think the Mi 11 Ultra ever left China either. They, so, sell, they sell it in New Zealand. Do they? In very, li realize. very limited quantities. That's how I managed to get my hands on it last year. Ah, funny. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah I, I haven't seen it in Europe. Yeah, so I wouldn't rule out something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if some select markets end up getting the 12S Ultra. Um, but a big global launch, I don't think, is on the cards, and I haven't heard anything to, to convince me otherwise, mm. which I think is a real shame, and I'm not sure what the thinking is there. I don't know why they don't want to sell the Ultra globally, because I would have thought that would be a win for them, because it is generally very well-reviewed. But mm. yeah, I, I couldn't tell you why they're taking that approach. And, and it was the first, or it's the first Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 phone, right? Yes, well, all yeah. of the 12Ss are, are right, technically yeah. the first, then mm. 
a day later joined by yeah. the Asus ROG Phone 6. So why don't we take that as a chance yeah. to segue and chat about those two phones. So yeah, Monday was the Xiaomi launch. Tuesday, Asus followed with the ROG Phone 6. It's new gen of gaming phones. Um, as Anarin has already said, these make the jump to the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, joining the Xiaomi 12S. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, there's a whole raft of phones already next week and beyond that are going to join. So I think <laughs> Xiaomi presumably had it contractually uh, set in that they were allowed <laughs> to do it first, and now everyone else is rushing to get theirs out as well. <laughs> so expect a lot more of these. Um, so ROG Phone 6, Anarin has been reviewing the Pro mm -hmm. model. One of the interesting things this year is last year we saw a regular, a Pro, and I think an Ultimate. Right, and yeah. this year we've dropped back down to just regular and Pro models. So first up, Anirin, mm -hmm. have we lost something in not getting an Ultimate? Or is this just kind of a branding switch around where this year's Pro kind of does what last year's Ultimate did anyway? Yeah, I think so. I think this is almost... The Pro is technically kind of the ultimate gaming phone. This is Asus pushing it to the absolute limits as i mean as you say we've got the snapdragon 8 plus gen 1 and there's only one configuration with 18 gigabytes of ram which is overkill for anyone really <laughs> um, um so so this is already almost like peak smartphone performance um so if there was an ultimate or if they released it further down the line it's really hard to know what they could add to actually go to the next level unless they waited six months before the next chip but then they'll probably release a new generation of the phones completely um, so yeah, this, that's obviously that's obviously the main upgrade, and it's significant because um, the uh, the five S and the five S proves the eight 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 plus. So it's two generations newer. I think there's some quite significant performance gains there. Um, and I mean, from reviewing the the six S Pro, there is really it doesn't ever feel like you're pushing it close to to its limits. It feels like it's always got some performance in hand, even when you um, you know you try the usual demanding the most demanding games that you can you can find but there's nothing that really pushed it the only thing you get is because it doesn't have a built-in fan and it sometimes it can run a bit hot after mm -hmm. a few minutes um asus has got its its own like separate fan that you can you can attach on but compared to something like the red magic it's got it built in it feels a bit clunky so so do all, it, sorry Dom, go ahead sorry i was just going to ask on 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 the uh on the chipset side uh, you've actually managed to use one of these, whereas the 12S we don't have yet. So I haven't touched an 8 Plus Gen 1 uh, in the wild yet. So from your, you talked about usage, but actually just from a raw numbers perspective on the benchmarks, mm. um, comparing to the 8, 8 Gen 1 phones, is there a serious jump up in the kind of numbers we saw, um, or is it pretty modest? I mean, it's, it's noticeable, like compared to the 5S Pro, like in the Geekwrench 5, there's like a 500 jump i'm looking at all the, the other phones here that have that have used like the um like the, even even compared to the 8 gen 1 phones like the red magics there's quite a significant performance increase some of the other the other tests it's not quite as obvious some of the gfx kind of graphical tests um and even um it kind of it didn't it didn't fully it didn't feel like the benchmarks fully reflected my experience with the phone because it was a bit like some of the core kind of cpu testing it was it was a noticeable step up then some of the other benchmarks didn't really reflect how, because I've tested a few gaming phones, this still felt like the top performance mm. I've ever probably had on a phone. Um, yeah, so it, it feels like this is Asus pushing it absolutely as much as it will go. Um, but also within a design that's maybe, it's not doesn't, 
it's not as out there as it maybe once was. So I don't know if you can. I mean, personally, it looks incredibly out there to me. But isn't there a screen? <laughs> isn't there a screen on the back and two USB ports? Well, no, yeah. and you've been, you've been desensitized to this madness. <laughs> I think that's that is restraint is. from Asus. <laughs> to okay. be fair, I'm I'm looking back and thinking about the um, there's a couple of the Red Magic phones where they had this right. like really wacky and and it's, it's like this design is 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 quite different. But also, you've either got this white one or you've got kind of just a standard kind of dark grey. Which is, which is obviously a lot more muted compared to what you mm -hmm. get on a lot of the Magic phones. And obviously they've gone for it quite big, big with the, the new kind of camera, camera module and with the, on the 6 Pro, they've got the, the second display. But I was kind of, I was quite disappointed because compared to like say the, the Z Flip 3, it doesn't, it's not able to show notifications. So it does like, oh. it does like your charging speeds and it tells you about accessories and then it, it indicates when you're playing a game. But the functionality there is quite limited. But I, always I remember it being very limited last year, but I did think a year on they might have added a bit more mm. to that display to justify it more. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of disappointing. And it felt like almost if I wasn't like testing it for a review, I would just turn it off and be quite happy without it. So that's one yep. of the reasons why the regular 6 for many people probably does everything they want to because that just drops the RAM. And that's the only real, the only real differences. I was thinking about this because I, I, I read your review and I was just thinking like, I think this just proves that I never put my phone face down on a table. <laughs> I think I think quite a lot of people do. You probably do. But I never do that. I'm like too much of a, um, I just so worried about the screen and I just like having it face mm. up. So like for me, like and particularly if you're gaming, like, like maybe with the Mi 11 Ultra, like we were talking about earlier, it's a bit extra, but it makes sense that if you were trying to take a photo with the, the, the viewfinder, like, can you use the one on the ROG as a viewfinder, or is it simply just there kind of for show? Oh, that's really just display basic, really basic information. I imagine at yeah. some point they're going to add the functionality because it has got a lot of potential. They've kind of moved it slightly and made it a little bit bigger this year, but I think that's it's something they can add in software, I suppose. The pitch from their end is probably it's more about a thing that looks cool to other people while you're yeah. holding the phone right, yeah. right. to game and then the screen is visible between your hands and showing off stuff while you play. And I think that's really the use case they're focusing on rather than actually how would the user use this themselves mm. by the, you know, on their own. Yeah, that's a good but point. I do find it odd given plenty of other people have done screens on the back of phones and added in functionality there that, that Asus just haven't really mm. been interested in here. I find it a little strange. And it's kind of disappointing because they have upgraded the main rear camera. I mean, it's it's not anything like the quality of like fl regular flagship smartphones, but it is a noticeably better. And like, if you do get good lighting, it's it's definitely a step up compared to the the selfie camera at least. So to not have that option, just to take the best quality photos that the camera can take, is, is mm. disappointing. And then battery. So one. Oh, sorry. Go yeah, on. We're about to ask yeah, about yeah. the exact <laughs> same thing. I think battery life. Uh, so I wanted to ask about this, and it's in a way an unfair test because. One of the things Xiaomi kept talking about during the 12S launch, which obviously also uses the 8 Plus Gen 1, was the power efficiency improvements that chip brings. And they were Xiaomi was really pushing the idea that its battery life had come on leaps and bounds, and that although this was only a sort of plus half-step upgrade, in effect, the battery life was, was an enormous move. And they were actually bold enough to put lots of uh, direct comparisons to iPhone models up on the screen Whoa. and claiming they mm -hmm. were besting some iPhones on battery life. Um, though another point I would respect out the Xiaomi keynote, not to double back too much, but they also highlighted, I can't remember which model it was, 
but one direct iPhone to Xiaomi 12s comparison where the iPhone still had better battery. Mm. And they were happy to be like, they still beat us here, but look, we're close. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Yeah. And the others <laughs> where they're like, we've just we've just pipped them whilst last a little longer. Um so battery life is a big thing with the 8 Plus Gen 1 potentially. In a way, the ROG phone is a weird comparison here because it has an enormous battery with 6,000 milliamp yeah. hours, which is way bigger Ooh. than any non-gaming phone is going to ship with. So how is battery life? Is it comically good or does it all just end up balancing out and it's just fine anyway? It's really good and it's one of the best. But it's actually slightly, because they've, because they've bumped up that refresh rate from 144 165. If you do leave it at 165 um, and you are gaming for a while, there is a noticeable drop off there. For everyday usage, it's still comfortable, easily a day. I, I was using it for a full day, did a bit of gaming as well, leaving it on the auto mode so it can, it can drop down to 144, 120, 90, or 60. And when you leave it on that mode, I could stretch to two, two days on a single charge. So it's really not a problem in terms of battery life. Um, if you are going to you know, like be hardcore gaming, maybe a few hours every day, you will see it drop, but that'll happen with any phone. Yeah. The question I had as well was that, um, so it, it doesn't have wireless charging. That's There's right. also no like built-in fan or anything. So do you have anything no. as to why it doesn't have wireless charging? Is it because they've put a screen in the back <laughs> and they uh, <laughs> can't fit one in, have to keep the price down, gamers don't care about that? I suppose you wouldn't be able to game while charging if it's wireless charging. So what do you reckon? Mm, I think I think that's what they said where they were they were for gamers they they want they would much rather if you're having the choice between having the second port on the side, yeah. they would much they would much rather have that compared to the wireless charging and that the speeds will obviously will probably drop from the sixty-five watt wired. Yeah, for sure. And and they want to just leave it for leave it for a few minutes or be using it, and then it's it's ready to go again. So I just think for that gamer market, and maybe it's a nice option to have, but it does it's not a necessity. And then hopefully not getting too in the weeds as well. But you said it had IPX4, so they have gone to the length of getting A rating on it. But do you have any yes. idea why it doesn't have full waterproofing, especially as there's no fan or anything? Yeah, what I do you reckon? I they clearly to paid say. to get some certification, yeah. so it's not like OnePlus where they just can't be bothered to pay for it. Mm. Yeah, because it almost like this was a selling point of the phone, where it's like it's now splash resistant, but then it's not that full <laughs> waterproofing that you would actually want. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a weird one. And looking at the phone here, there's no obvious reason why it wouldn't. It's like very well sealed, and there's no, there's no like huge fan grills and stuff like that that would suggest that it could be easily damaged by water. So that is a bit of a weird one. So do you think it's the best gaming phone out there? Is it the best one? It's the best gaming phone, but not the gaming phone I'd recommend to most people. Which one's that? That would be the regular Red Magic 7. That and why is that? All around. Mainly because of the Pro, because it's basically like half the price, just over half Oh, the right. Price. Really is yeah. half, yeah. 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 And it also uses the 8 Gen 1, but then we've got this, the, the Pro, the, the S series is coming soon. And and because it's got the built-in fan, which I prefer, mm. it, it's like all contained within the phone. You don't need to add on the accessories to get a great experience. You can, but but here it feels like if you're gaming for a long period, you better buy the fan and connect it to actually get the best cooling. But you don't need to do that in the Red Magic 7. So. I think for better or worse, Asus have realized they have a pretty well-respected gaming brand in ROG, and they can exploit that a little bit on the pricing side and... Gaming hardware is a market where that works. I mean, you just have to look at the success of Alienware, where people are very open about the fact that, you know, if you buy an Alienware, you are paying an extra 
two or three hundred per laptop for the fact that it's got an Alienware logo on the back, fundamentally. Yeah. And I think Asus have realized they can kind of do the same thing in the phone space, that they just have the pedigree and the prestige there that people will pay more to have the Asus one, even if spec for spec, it's not that different to mm-hmm. the cheaper ones. Yeah, fair. I say, I suppose we see that in other parts of tech, like you say, and even in phones as well. So yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, and uh, you kind of entered this before, and I but just to clarify it. So between the two models, the six and the six Pro, the only differences are, if I've got this right, there's a extra RAM option. So the the six has twelve or sixteen gig of RAM, but the Pro has eighteen gig of RAM. Mm-hmm. But they have the uh, same storage option. At least there's a five twelve option okay. for both. Um, and all the other specs are the same, except for whether you're getting a screen on the back or a little kind of RGB logo. On yeah, the so, so the 6 Pro has both. It has a little RGB logo oh, um, right. and the revision display, whereas the, the regular 6, it has just sort of one bigger RGB lighting on the back. So. And what's the price difference? Do you know? Price difference is... Well, so it starts at... The regular starts at 899 in the UK, or $900. In pounds, yeah. Yeah. And then it's, it's, it's a 200 pound jump mm. and, a, and a 300 euro jump um, going from the Pro. But then there's obviously there's a model in between that kind of ups the, the storage. Because I'm not really a gamer, really, at all. Um, and they're, and I've, I've recently reviewed the, the F4 GT, the Poco. And I kind mm. of thought, like, oh, I kind of get it. And for some reason, like I was just looking at the 6 Pro and I was like, maybe I would use that phone, like, aesthetically. And I, it's never really appealed to me before. Some of them I'm just like, Ugh, but something about that white I quite like. So, I mean, I'm not going to go out and get one, but <laughs> maybe, they're, maybe they are refining it better. Because, I mean, just as a, as a marker, like someone like me who would never look to buy one, I was like, oh, it actually looks quite nice. I had the exact same response. I always bristle when I see gaming phones, and, and none of them tend to have a look that appeals to me, including previous ROG devices. And yeah, the white model this year, and I don't, they've done white before, I think, but something about the way the white one's set up and the the blue accents and the way they've positioned the screen yeah. and those elements. This was the first one I looked at and went, oh, that doesn't look half bad, actually. <laughs> mm, yeah. I kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what I was impressed on the software side is you can, there's like this X mode, which like pushes everything towards gaming. But if you turn that off, you just use it as a regular smartphone. It's very easy to kind of ignore all the gaming side and to use it as a regular phone. It's obviously a very bulky, huge, heavy phone, so it's definitely not for everyone. But there is obviously to be able to have that option to kind of split. You still, even if you're buying it as a gaming phone, most of your time you're not going to be gaming, so it needs mm. to be a great phone. And the, the, the software side, because they're, it's like a combination of the basis is like Zen UI and the ROG UI, which is the gaming stuff. But it's actually quite light in terms of the tweaks it's made to like the Pixels version of Android. Um, so you still get a lot of the familiar features there that most people would, most consumers would like. So it's it's a more approachable, I'd say, than, than most gaming phones. Cool, good point. That's yeah. interesting. But one of the things I really liked with, I think it was the ROG Phone 2, had the option for you to switch between Zen UI and the ROG UI. And I was going to ask you if they still had that, but it sounds like maybe they don't need that anymore because they've consciously paired back the ROG one to to feel a bit less um, abrasive, maybe. Mm-hmm. Does, it, does it only go into ROG when you put it in that X mode, or can you actually choose? It only, yeah, it only goes in, so it's like, like it's almost like you flick to switch, and then it's like a 
different background and there's right. slight, a little diff bit different design, but a lot of the familiar elements are still there. It's only if you went into what they call the armory crate, which is like where it's like a launcher for their games and where you can make those kind yeah. of tweaks to performance and blocking notifications yep. right. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. It's only there that you really, really notice the, the gaming influence. I have I have an Asus motherboard, so I, I have Armory Crate installed <laughs> on my desktop PC as well, ready to tune all my glowing mm. PC lights. Um, great. Other, okay, sorry. so it, yeah, yeah, you go. If you've got say, last thing the to... only the only thing I want to add was I because because they haven't uh, gone for a notch of any kind. It's just the small bezel top and bottom. They've been able to um, put in dual front facing stereo speakers. I was really impressed. Like probably one of the best sounding phones that I've tried and it was that there is obviously this push that you can make the headset and you've still got a headphone jack but you don't actually need to to get a really immersive experience with some mm. great audio so I was impressed by that. Yeah I think it's going to be funny we're probably going to see that gaming phones become the ones with the best speakers before long I think more and more they're pushing it but that is actually a use case if you're sitting up Obviously, if you're out and about, you'll have headphones. But if you're sitting at home playing on your phone, you might just use the speakers because they're going to be fine. And yeah, the, when I've used a couple of gaming phones that have pretty impressive stereo setups. And it is one of those things that for them, it is worth putting the effort into some extra oomph there mm. in a way that the mainstream phones, it just doesn't really pay off because no one uses them for that unless they're on a bus. <laughs> um Last thing, buying the phone. We've talked about pricing. Is it on sale right now, or when can people get hold of it? Or no, two so, of them. Yeah, so, so the pre-orders are live this month for the, the regular model, and then it's early August for the Pro. And they've said that there's going to be like a separate launch in the US, but they haven't set any dates for that, so that could, that could be a little while away, but it's definitely getting sold in the US at some point. Cool. All right, great. Thank you. Um... Let's turn to our last topic of the day. We are going to chat about phones what we have liked this year <laughs> and phones what we think we will like in the second half of this year. Um, Henry, why don't you start us off? Because this was all your idea to begin with. Um, and I know we cross over at least a little bit in, in some of the things we have enjoyed this year. So yeah. what's a phone that's really done it for you in 2022? Yeah, well, if I go straight in... Uh... Yeah, the phone that I think I've enjoyed using the most and one I reviewed was the Oppo Find X5 Pro. Uh, I really liked the Find X3, which, as we know, was the predecessor no, no X4 because of the unlucky name in China. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's just such a good piece of hardware. I really like the fact that it all blends into one on the back of we're thinking about design. Um, really, really premium phone. Um, and I still like the fact that they're doing those two uh, I really like the fact that yeah, the ultra wide and the main sensors for the cameras are like exactly the same, because I'm more and more wanting to use ultra wide, and it puts me off so much on a phone when you use an ultra wide camera, and it just looks like completely different. The skies are washed out, or it's got like a fish eye. I just think it's really good that they're using the same one. Uh, very clever. I did kind of miss the microscope. <laughs> I was a big fan yeah. of the X3 Pro's microscope, even though it was stupid. Um, I like I like taking pictures of you know follicles and disgusting stuff and skin tags, but um, uh, or, or something more normal. Um, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, re replaced now with just yeah. They always got the two times uh, telephoto, so it's not like a zoom king. But I just think that Oppo is just like I think what I think the reason that I like it so much is kind of personal because I've reviewed like the original Find X with like the mechanical 
uh, slidey up yeah. thing uh, where you could like literally hear and see all the the strings moving. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is such a long way from that. Not only in design, even though that was impressive, but particularly with the software, um, it's come so far just to make that so much more palatable, so much more normal. Um, and I suppose I could touch on maybe the fact that this annoyed a lot of OnePlus fans because now we're seeing them merge together. Um, mm. But I think just, yeah, the, how Oppo's uh, gone from that to that in a relatively short space uh, of time should be uh, commended. And, and the fast charging uh, still probably my favorite thing about any phone, actually, alongside the camera. It's just I, I miss it so much when there's not really good wired fast charging. It completely changes how I charge and use my phone. But are uh, you also a fan of this one, the X5 Pro for this year? I love this phone. This is, I almost annoyed that you picked it because it would have been my choice <laughs> for sure for this. If uh, of all the phones this year, if there was one that I had to go back to and only use that for the rest of the year and I couldn't touch anything else and couldn't touch last year's Z Flip, then the Find X5 Pro hands down is, is the one. Um, I just think it's a really great all-rounder yeah which i know is a funny way to describe a phone that costs more than a grand it's just to be like oh it does a bit of everything but like it almost every flagship leans into some specific thing that they do really really well you know with the s22 ultra you'd, you'd look at the zoom and say they just absolutely killed periscopic zoom and they're better than anyone else at that if i talked about the vivo x80 pro which i might in a minute it's the night mode stuff they've just killed it and no one else can come close I couldn't find a single thing about the Find X5 Pro that it does better than every other phone on the market. But it does everything the second best on the market. <laughs> you know, there's nothing it does badly. And I think the camera's great. The display is fantastic. Yep. Charging is really fast. The battery life is great. Oppo software is, I wouldn't call it my favorite Android skin, but it's certainly one of the good ones. And it doesn't frustrate me like some of the others that I would deal with. About the only flaw you could really pick out other than the price is the lack of a periscopic zoom. Uh, as you say, it caps out at two times zoom. But for me, that doesn't really matter. I don't use it very much. And I'm aware for other people that will be more of a deal breaker and, and they will want to look at other options that have a better zoom lens. But I don't zoom that much with a camera if I'm not reviewing it. And so I really never missed it when I had it. Mm, mm. No, I totally agree. And then just, yeah, uh, seeing as I mentioned it, uh, just for comparison, yeah, I've been using the OnePlus 10 Pro recently. Um, just with my sim in it, just to see what, what how different it is. And even though I really liked older OnePlus phones, yeah, for again for this phone, I think did that come out this year? Am I getting that wrong? Am I ruining the, the whole? Pro, am I yeah. ruining the whole that theme here? Year. Okay, good. <laughs> just checking. Yeah, I think it's really great as well, and there isn't too much difference uh, between them. But it's just still, I think, just because of the design, I really quite like the shiny <laughs> uh, finger, yeah. fingerprint magnet um, uh, Oppo phone. Um, I just think it feels nicer and, and more of a complete complete product. But but I agree with you that other, other reviews um, marked the Find X5 down for not being like the master of one thing. Um, yeah. But I do think it is the best uh, uh, most of those things. I agree with you there. Yeah, I think it just doesn't have an obvious weak spot. Whereas, you know, for you look at the Samsung and you'd say, oh, it does amazing camera, amazing with stuff, but... Uh, you know, the charging super slow. Yeah. And Xiaomi, you could sing the, you know, the, the 12 Pro. You could talk about a lot of good things that phone does, but you'd end up still moaning about the software yeah. and things like that. There's just nothing like that for the Oppo that really bothers me. Um, the the other phone I, I would... I actually have two other phones I would sing like this year that I really enjoyed. Um, one, I think, will be an obvious one for people who watched the show the last few weeks is the Vivo X80 Pro. 
this didn't really surprise me a lot because it is very similar to last year's X70 Pro Plus. But they've essentially taken what I loved in that phone. They've improved it with a spec bump to the HM1 and a few refinements to the camera. They've made it cheaper and they've given it a global launch. Yeah. And so it's Ooh. gone from this absurdly expensive China only import it if you can thing to a only slightly less absurdly expensive but at least you can buy it anywhere phone yeah and i i absolutely adore it i hope this is kind of one of those phones that marks a bit of a turning point for vivo in terms of how they're perceived globally as as a serious player in the flagship space because i think they really are and they should be and the thing that's holding them back is genuinely just that they don't sell these phones in enough markets and i hope this is uh, you know that they've been making these very slow tentative steps into europe at least and I hope they can keep pushing through because uh, I, I really adore the X80 Pro. And if I couldn't have the Oppo, that's the one I'd be on now. <laughs> if you um, took the Oppo out of my hands. What about you and Iron? What have you liked mm. uh, since January till now? So, so as, as I said, like a lot of the phones I would be, be either kind of budget mid-range stuff or gaming phones, as I say. So in the budget space, probably the Realme 9. Because I just think mm -hmm. that was a nice all-rounder where it's like, we don't need we don't need 5G as a lot of people maybe who are shopping in that market don't need, mm. and it just kind of as as you said with the Oppo, it kind of just does everything quite well for that price point. It does everything close to as good as you can get for say 250 pounds. Mm. Um, so it's just um, and and we we sometimes joke about that if you're doing if you're doing a budget phone round up, it could just be like a showcase of Xiaomi phones. If you don't like that or you want something different, then Think Realme are on on to a winner here, really, because on the face of it, if you've got like a Snapdragon 680, it doesn't seem particularly impressive. Mm -hmm. But I was really pleasantly surprised with the performance you were getting from that, um, and like the the 90 hertz OLED display was really really enjoyable to use. Um, and if and some, some sorry, sometimes when people are saying that they don't have very much money to spend, they would they would come to me and ask which phone should I buy, and I would say sometimes you don't need to spend very much money. To, to get a great phone and i would use that as one of the examples i'm not surprised by that at all because i don't i didn't review any of the nine series this year but i reviewed i think the regular realme 8 last year and had exactly the same impression of it it was one of the few budget phones i reviewed where i really felt pretty happy to have my sim in it felt like i could leave my sim in this for a few more weeks without feeling particularly hard done by um they it's it's in a way like the Oppo at the other end of the price spectrum, but they do a very good job of of creating all rounded devices, and I think that is in contrast to say the way Xiaomi approaches the budget market, where if you look at most of the cheap Xiaomi phones, each of them again has that one thing that it does surprisingly well for its price. Either it has a really great OLED display, or it has a really high megapixel camera, or you know a really fast chipset. What I think Realme has taken for its approach is it's just made budget phones that do a little bit of everything very well. Um, they don't have any big strengths, but that equally means they don't have any big weaknesses. And that's often the killer on a budget phone is when the camera is incredible, but it's so slow to run. Yeah. Or the display is beautiful, but it cannot take a photo to save its life. I think the Realme line, they balance things out very nicely. And part of that as well is they look quite nice. Yeah. I think these are probably the nicest looking budget phones out there. Yeah, good shout, good shout. Am I, am I allowed to just uh, say one major phone that I didn't think much of this year? I was about to ask for yeah, yeah ones the ones that maybe disappointed a little for the. Year. I just I've always 
I you talked earlier actually you you were questioning out loud what your favorite Android skin was and even though perhaps they aren't my favorite phones Samsung phones I actually really like One UI I think it's really good and I I actually have come to the yeah the realization that I think I actually like it the best out of all of them but <laughs> the Samsung S22 the regular one the Galaxy S22 I reviewed earlier this year and it was just a bit of like I don't think it's because I've got smartphone fatigue because I get excited about other, you know, phones of that price uh, that, that are quite similar to previous generations. Uh, and indeed, I really, really like the the Galaxy S10 Plus as a personal favorite phone of all time for me. But uh, yeah, the, the S22, just the regular one, it was just kind of like, okay, it's another phone. <laughs> the battery life is really bad. Um, and I was over in uh, New Zealand, as I mentioned, and so they actually got the Snapdragon version this year. And I was disappointed to see that that didn't do the mythical you know, amazing battery boosts that everyone chats about um, and evidently doesn't really test because I wasn't doing anything taxing with it. Um, and it was like, you know, panic sort of 20% by end of the day kind of or, or before uh, kind of thing. And, you know, the cameras were fine, but they oversaturate. Um, I suppose I, I was drawn to it because also it's a small, small phone. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, I just, it didn't really do much for me. Is there anything that stood out uh, that disappointed you so far this year? Mm, so for me, I risk of repeating myself, that whereas the regular Red Magic 7 was really impressive, it was particularly for the price, the 7 Pro I was expecting more from, because this is mm. the first time we've seen the regular and the Pro model be released globally. Um, and so there was a slightly larger battery on, on the Pro, but then it went for like, the under-display um, selfie camera, which, oh, yeah. Yeah. which I didn't, which the quality just wasn't there, and it was... And it felt like a weird risk to take on a gaming phone. Um, and then the other and it thing... it also dropped to a lower refresh rate yeah. as well or something. So the other thing was mm. it went for like this crazy 960 hertz touch something rate. But then to do that, the refresh rate went down to 120 hertz. And on a gaming phone, that screen refresh rate, which was like, what, it's 165 on the regular 7, was always this big selling point. And all of a sudden, it's just the same as so many other flagship phones. So it just wasn't... And obviously, the price was significantly... Oh, yes, it was yeah, it's mm. a bit disappointing. Yeah, I, it's an odd one where it's a little bit better, a little bit worse. You'd kind of say, uh, you know, you different people like one or the other, but mm -hmm. the pros significantly more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> whereas if they were the same price, it would just be a choice between two variants. Whereas charging more for the one that's like, well, it's better in some ways, but it's got some pretty big down downgrades as well. Yeah. Uh, my my neutral phone, I guess, is actually mentioned it briefly already, but the Xiaomi 12 Pro, which is not that it's a bad phone at all. It's good, but I just wasn't wowed by it. There was nothing it did that really blew me away. Um, I still don't love MIUI at all. Um, yes, I, I put it pretty near the bottom of my um, Android skin ranking. And there was just no single spec on the 12 Pro that did it for me. And it equally didn't feel like enough of a capable all-rounder to really knock the op away for me. It's about the same price. I think it was hurt by the fact that it came out alongside the regular 12, which, although it has a, quite a few big spec downgrades, so some very big spec reasons to prefer the Pro, the 12 has that compact size, and like an S22. And that I didn't review the 12, but I really liked the look of it a lot more than the Pro and would have been more interested in it. Um, and yeah, I just went into reviewing the 12 Pro. I was excited about it. I had been a big, big fan of the Mi 11 and was excited to see what they were doing with the 12 series, liked the new split into regular and pro models and, and the way they were handling it, liked the design of it a lot, reviewed the thing and thought, 
yeah, it's another phone. Mm. It's fine. It's there. It didn't do anything to make me love it. Lame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, have either of you got anything you reviewed this year that was just awful? Anything you really... <laughs> Not really. I mean, I think really the lowest I've about. been is like... That would have been... Like in January, would have been, I think, three stars in the, the Duo 2, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. But that's since, as far as I know, got a lot better. So that would... If I was re-reviewing it, I imagine it would be... And if yeah, they it stick at this... to rag on it. Yeah, and if they stick at this <laughs> yeah. lower price... Then I think it's much higher than that. I've not I've not trashed anything for a while, which is is kind of nice. It shows that the quality of the of, of general consumer electronics that we we see across our desks is good. I mean, have you done? Is anything really really like not been good? No, I was hoping one of you two would have something more outrageous <laughs> to say. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I haven't reviewed anything I really disliked. Um, I think the closest I would come is actually I wouldn't say I really dislike the phone overall, but we're talking about the Sony Xperia One Four recently and. It's just got these, I'm writing the review at the moment, and it's reminded me of some of the specific frustrations that I, I really have with the phone, the way the camera software laid out, the fact that it, you know, it, it charges so scandalously hot that yeah. I'm sure there's a health risk there. Uh, I opened up the Cinema Pro app the other day, and it warned me that, you know, when this icon pops up, uh, the phone is overheating, don't touch it, or there's a burn risk. Wow. And I just, just thought, I don't know that I should have a burn risk from using my phone. Yeah, that's bad. Something's gone a bit wrong there. I like a lot about the phone, and I think, you know, overall I'll be broadly positive about it, and I think for certainly for the, the right user it's a really great device, but there's, the failings it has are quite specific and quite damaging, I think, mm. and that's a real problem. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, looking ahead, though, uh, I think there's quite a lot of interesting stuff coming along. Obviously, we've done this review uh, January forward, so we can't uh, say how much we did or didn't like uh, the most recent iPhones. But if the rumors are to be believed, then we are losing my beloved iPhone mini this year. But I guess mm. it makes sense if we if all the things uh, point... Because uh, Apple likes iterating, right? If it doesn't have a bestseller, then it needs to change something at the moment. I mean, it's crazy to think that um, a few years ago you just had big or small, and now we've got so many more uh, options, and they're selling many more of the older ones. You can still buy an iPhone 11 new from, from Apple, which is kind of mad. So even though I am a kind of a small phone guy... Uh, phones are also just incredibly huge <laughs> these days. Um, so I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing what the rumored new iPhone skew is, which supposedly they're dropping the iPhone. So there will be no iPhone 14 mini. And instead, we'll have an iPhone 14 Max. So not the Pro, just a larger version, the same size as the Pro Max of the regular phone. And I'm just I'm just interested to see, like, if this is successful, then it will prove once and for all that people will just buy bigger screens. Because, um, I mean, I also look around, I'm, I'm sure you are both the same. I'm afflicted with the smartphone reviewer's curse of being on a bus or a tube or a plane and just, like, looking at a phone and being like, oh, I know what phone that is. I know what phone that is. <laughs> and you see, I see so many more regular iPhone 13s. Uh, than pros but also i think it's remarkable because i see so many iphone 13s like people really do upgrade quite often mm. um, and if they can upgrade to a slightly bigger screen i want to see what apple changes whether or not it's just as we saw this year with the sizes where it, whether it's just battery and screen size and nothing else or if they'll bring something uh special to it i mean are you excited for that phone in, in any way are there any of the new iphones uh, tickle Ooh. your fancy I mean, I never use an iPhone long term. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with an iron. I don't use an iPhone long term, so none of them are going to be the phone I'm imagining I'm mm. going to fall in love with and use every week. You know, 
because from a software side they they just have frustrations that I, I, I can't imagine I'll get past personally um, I am curious to see how they handle ditching the notch because everyone mm. that seems to be the word that the pro models are going to ditch the notch and maybe go for this combined punch hole and pill which sounds very strange and the renders I've seen don't work for me but I've said that before about Apple design stuff and then yeah. they release the final thing and it just something about it clicks and and you realize you were wrong all along so I'm curious to see if they can win me over with that move if indeed it's, that is the move something about that rumor that I just can't I just can't I don't think they're gonna do it should I put my should, it I, should I feel bet? very Apple to me I think it's just gonna be a notch still but I don't know Quotes, what I don't understand wrong. is I don't know why they do a punch hole and a pill rather than yeah. one long pill. Yeah. That's what throws me. Yeah. I feel like they'll if they ditch the notch, it will be to do the one long central pill. Because the, the, the notch itself, the way that the iPhone looks with the we kind of forget it does actually have a bit of a bezel all the way around yeah. with that notch. You immediately know what phone it is from the screen, which is very yeah. clever. Uh, you can't really deal that with any Android phone. Um, no. So yeah, no, but I, I, I agree and I. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. I, I, I'm interested yeah. to see how they how they're going to do it because also we, we might see some features on these phones that again, us the Android purists will will say, oh, but Android had that ages ago. But when iPhone does do an always-on display, when the base models do go up to 120 hertz, it does bring it uh, yeah. bring it forward, and it, um, so it will be good to see on those phones because they should have had them. But we should also celebrate when they do. Which it does sound like the Pro models are going to be pretty good this year and be pretty fully featured. I suspect so. Yeah, I, I, I think do think. Good, yeah. I do think that, for an average consumer's point of view, like simplifying the lineup to just maybe have a couple of phones rather than having four flagship phones. And I think the general consensus was that the regular Pro was the best option overall. It feels just if you just have here is the best phone. Here's a flagship which is not quite as good but still pretty good. And here's the SE if you really want a, a budget iPhone. That makes a lot more sense to me. I know where you're coming from, I, but equally, I think uh, there's enough space in the iPhone world for them. I think they've realized there's two core sets of iPhone people, right, which are serious creatives who want, who care about tech specs and are willing to pay extra for something that is the best of the best of the best that Apple can make. And then there's just the people who buy an iPhone because it's an iPhone and they've always had an iPhone and they want the new iPhone. And those people don't need a pro model, but they might want a choice of screen size. And so, and similarly, the people wanting the pro version might not want an absolutely massive max model. So I think actually this move to ditch the mini and have 14, 14 max, 14 pro, 14 pro max, I totally see the logic behind it. And I think it's like the cleanest way they can do their current lineup. Then for, I think probably what, what's happening with the mini is that they essentially realize that most of the people who want to buy a small phone overlap pretty heavily with the people who don't care about specs that much. And so they'll just buy the SE anyway. Yeah. And what yeah. we'll see is the SE will be the small the small iPhone. They may even end up rebranding it to be the iPhone mini or something in a couple of years. I'm not sure about that, but I, I could imagine SE3 instead being the mini. And they pitch that as it's the small one. It's the small cheap one for people who want that. Yeah, you could possibly see the mini's current form factor returning after a small vacation. Yes, uh, to exactly. That, which would be cool. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, often people will say, which iPhone should I buy? What's the cheapest one? I'm like... I'm, I'm always like, oh, you should get the Mini. Uh, but they're like, but the SE is like half the price. And I'm like, okay, fine, get the SE. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm quite looking forward to that. Uh, what about you? Yep. What about you both? Clearly not as much. So what are you looking forward to rest of the year? Uh, my, I mean, my big ones 
uh, the two obvious things for me, which are Vivo and the Z Flip. So the Z Flip 4, I'm excited Ooh. for. Nothing we've seen says there's going to be radical changes in either the design or the specs. But we've seen some debate on how they're going to handle battery life and some suggestion the battery may be getting a significant boost and also the 8 plus gen 1 with its purported power efficiency improvements mm. and that was the big downside to the to the z flip 3 for me was was the battery life the camera is also a bit ropey but the battery life was kind of the the killer that would make me hesitate to really fully recommend it to someone yeah so if they fix that that makes the four a really compelling base for them to then with the five start throwing in real camera lenses and, and upgrading that side of it because it's not what they're going to. So I'm excited for that because I love those phones and I just want to see the next better version of that. Yeah. Um, with Vivo, I'm excited about... We, there are reports that there is still an X80 Pro Plus on the way, and I am just fascinated to see where they go from here. The X80 Pro has... You know, it's a £1,200 phone in the UK. They've maxed things out about as much as they can. Mm. I don't know where they upgrade this next, and I'm just curious. I haven't heard any really convincing leaks either way about what's going to be in there, but I think they're going to have something special and, and interesting, and I, I can't wait to see how they can take that phone to the next level, especially from the camera side. Mm. What about you and Aaron? For me, probably would be Pixel 7s, just because as it stands right now, obviously they've, they've decided to drop the price to be slightly below that ultra flagship level. Um, but the fact that now it's probably arguably they, they're not the best at anything, even on the software side, we've seen, you say Samsung and a few other brands have made versions of Android that are probably as good. Um, and it just feels like Google needs almost like a big, a big upgrade to the fact, and, and obviously to cut out a lot of the bugs we've seen with the, the Pixel 6s to become kind of a polished option, become that default Android option. Because as we've said before, so many people who buy Android phone buy a Samsung phone. And that for Google to kind of still be like, well, if you don't want Samsung phone, we do this, this, and this better than them. And at the moment, it doesn't quite feel like that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I hope hopefully they will. I would like to see them push it with the Pro, particularly kind of stick seven at that price but we're going to push the pro closer to flagship and kind of show off what they can re really can do with the tensor chip and see if it can actually rival the top of the line snapdragons or the exynos and re really push the performance as well because i think it has the potential yeah I, I i agree um i think google has always struggled and still struggled with the six series to show people well we framed it <laughs> as it struggles to show people what you can get you know things like magic eraser and uh you know the tech uh, speech to text stuff they can never i think it's just because their audience is small and like you're saying we go back to people who will always buy an iphone they're not going to be won over by that feature and switch to android because of it but then when we had the uh wwdc and the ios 16 stuff you know those little pockets of twitter that aren't techie will suddenly be like hey this dictation thing is cool and everyone all the tech all of us are like but that was made on a pixel <laughs> but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because they're never going to buy a pixel and they don't know involved in that world and they're not going to see it right but i agree with you that um it would be cool to see a, um, a slight differentiation i was also really looking forward to the 6a if uh, if it is indeed the 400 pounds uh 400 yes. price what are you going to get for that? Whether it will be, we'll be able to say, you know, is that the same price as like a, or ish, as like a OnePlus Nord 2T? And is there, 
what is it bringing that we would recommend it at that price above yeah. above those phones? Um, also, I saw actually today uh, that in the UK, Argos is selling the six at the moment for four hundred and fifty pounds, which is a ridiculously wow. good deal. Mm, okay. um, so I'm just wondering price. what the six A is going to be like because when the six has gone down to that price, it, it really is very easy to recommend. I have to admit, I am not super excited about any of this year's Pixels because the big thing I dislike about the 6 series is the design language. Oh, and okay. We already know that's Ooh. sticking around. We've seen the yeah, first photos yeah. of the 7s and they've tweaked it a little bit, but it broadly looks the same. And I don't like it. I didn't like it last year. <laughs> it has not grown on me at all six yeah. months in. I still think the Pixel 6s look really ugly. Interesting. And they just don't do anything for me. And so that dampens, as much as I'm excited to see the technical side of what Google's mm. going to do and how the camera will step up and, you know, any Pixel-specific Android 13 features they throw in. If, uh, thinking about it as a phone as a whole and as a personally exciting phone for me to use, it's just all dampened by the fact that I think, oh, it's really ugly. I wouldn't want to use that. Oh, fair. Yeah, because I, I, I'm the opposite. I, th I think they look quite cool. And I quite like the three-color tone thing. Um, and yes... I, it's the closest they've got so far to what the iPhone does with the R as an iPhone. It's like, oh, it's a Pixel. But the problem is, not enough yes. people know that. <laughs> and they're not, <laughs> and they're not buying them. But clearly, I'm a bar guy, and you're a, I don't know, massive pie on the back of the phone guy. Because you, like, <laughs> no, yeah. I don't like those either. <laughs> but you love all the phones with the circular, you know, globs on the back. Yeah, so. you know, I'll, I'll say, if we're talking <laughs> camera design, we may have ragged a little bit on the S22s, but they've absolutely won that this yeah. year. Both oh, yeah. the regular models and and the Ultra, and they have two very different camera model designs. And I think they both look fantastic. And yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone's done a better job on making big bulky camera systems look attractive and look like they are part of a phone rather mm. than something that's been bolted on the back of it. Yeah. So yeah, I wish more people would copy that specific thing that Samsung does. Yeah. Lots coming up, lots to look forward to. Yeah. Little large out as well, because it is absolutely imminent, it's next week, but I am curious about the Nothing Phone one. <laughs> and I know there's a big Carpay hype train that we've all been unwillingly strapped <laughs> to, and we've got to get enthusiastic whether we like it or not. But they are trying something a little different. I like what we've seen of the lighting system on the back. Um, I am actually with you, Henry. For the most part, I put my phone display up and take advantage of the always-on display. So I do wonder if I'll ever use the lights. Though I kind of like the idea that they could be an option as a way to have a less... I say less distracting, the big flashing white bars of light, but uh, you know, a notification system that doesn't tell you as directly here, this is the notification, look at me right now. Mm. It just flashes and says, you have a notification, deal with it later. I miss notification LEDs is I think what I'm getting at. Right. Yeah. And mm. this is a big over the top version of that. And I, I, I kind of like that. I'm yeah. curious about it. Yeah, as soon as you get a case that has a lip on it, then you can put it top down. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess uh, I'm, just, I'm just personally interested in how much this phone's going to cost. Um, yeah. yeah because I know people have been able to start reserving them with their you know, non-refundable deposits, but they have no idea how much they're going to end up paying for them. Uh, and I know that we've all moaned about the specs and various things about it and the annoying hype. But if at the end of the day, it's a phone that's widely available at a competitive price that's decent, then that will be worth commending. Yeah. And, and if there's one thing Carl Bay has generally shown he's able to produce, it's that, you know, mm. capable phones, widely available at a really competitive price, yep. pretty much sums up what his ethos was at OnePlus. Yeah. And, you know, arguably, you know, what some people might think they lost since he left. Yeah. But if that's what he's bringing to nothing, then set aside all the silly hype and the NFT drops and all of that. 
I'm, I'm into a new player entering the market and building competitive mid ranges that tick all the right boxes. Yeah, for sure. Mm, yeah. All right, I think that'll do us for this week. We've had a uh, extra long episode, so thank you uh, to Henry and Iron for joining me. Thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. And sorry for not discussing X major tech event that has happened. <laughs> 24 hours after we recorded this. Uh, We will be back live as usual next week. So come back and see us then. Cheers. Bye. Bye.